0: Hello there. Welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Well, you know, well as well can be. I'm just back in from a dog walk. It's freezing out there. Says it's seven, but it's not. Real feel is one or zero and my hands were cold. So I thought the best way to warm them up again was to just, you know, play around on the keyboard a little bit. Not the tippity-tippity-typing keyboard. But the, the music keyboard that I have, and I thought, well, some mood music, that would be good, wouldn't it? Some, some kind of sad strings, you know, that would sum up the mood that we're all in at the moment, and I realized I'd spent about eight and a half minutes recording just tuneless crap, you know. I don't know, somebody put some plaintive piano over that or something, and it would... It would just sum up how we're all feeling after what has been a really kind of shit week, hasn't it? Been a terrible, terrible week from a football point of view. But before we get into all that, let me tell you just about our sponsor today. It's Cornerstone. They do shavy stuff. If you want to shave wherever it might be, your face, your armpits, your legs, whatever you would like to shave, check out cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. And you get a razor engraved with your own initials. Uh also you get all the best blades you get shaving products the whole lot and every time uh, somebody signs up with cornerstone it helps support the podcast so check it out cornerstone.co.uk/arsblog it does help support the podcast and uh well i think after the week we've had we could all do with whatever little bit of support we can get um and that's not to it's not to pull on your heartstrings or anything like that i'm i'm moved away from that now i'm talking about Football and Jesus, football, football. It's, why, why, why do we do it? Why do we do it to ourselves? Why do we hope? They say it's the hope that kills you, but it's not. It's not the hope. It's the cancer or the heart disease or the getting hit by a bus or, or lots of other things that can kill you. But the hope, the hope doesn't keeps you alive. The hope is like when you see a movie and they torture a guy and they're torturing him and torturing him and torturing him. And he's like, ah, this is so painful. Stop. The torture is really painful because torture by its nature is, is, quite painful indeed. And then he's, it's just so painful that he passes out, passes out some blessed relief from the torture and the pain and the agony and the searing hurt and everything else. The nerve endings, just, rah. And the hope The hope is the fucker that comes along with a bucket of water and throws it in the guy's face and wakes him up again. That's what the hope is. That's what this week has been like. I don't know. It's been just really disheartening. Uh, As we talked about on the Arsecast Extra on Monday. Just... (sighs) You see the thing, you know, you, you see the thing and the thing is the Premier League and the Premier League that we haven't lifted since 20, 20 2004, 2004. See, it's racking my head, this whole thing. And you see it there. And it's not easy. I think we all know that it's not easy to win the Premier League title. It's not. Even when we were the invincibles, it wasn't easy. We had difficult games. I remember people saying that season, we're drawing too many games, we're drawing too many. and There was like a 1-1 draw against Leicester and Ashley Cole might have got sent off and everyone's going, oh, we're drawing. This is, you know, it, it, it's not easy to win the Premier League. But at the same time, when you see it there and you see the opportunity that we have, even after a pretty dismal January... A pretty dismal January and most of a dismal-ish February. It's there. You can still see it. It's not out of reach. You're looking at where we are in the table. You're looking at who we're up against. We're up against Leicester. We're up against Tottenham. Two teams who have absolutely no history of winning the Premier League, of challenging for the Premier League. Manchester City are a mess, Manchester United were a mess, they're coming back, but it's there, it's right there, it's in the distance, you can see it, and we're Arsenal, and we've won the FA Cup for two years in a row, and we've got good players in our team, and then you go to Old Trafford, and you're playing two centre midfielders at centre half, and a A young guy at left back and a young guy up front. And it's there for you to take the chance and you don't take the chance. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then you talk about bouncing back, responding. We have to react. We have to turn the criticism into motivation. You're playing Swansea, a team battling relegation. Again, nobody says that that should be easy. Shouldn't be easy when you're playing a team that's fighting for their lives in the Premier League. However, Swansea are a team who made six changes, three of them in the back four, and their head coach was taken to hospital on the day of the game with a, I don't know what he had, some kind of illness, and hopefully he's feeling better now, and he's not in hospital, because they are terrible places to be for anybody. And you're, you're going, okay. Use the criticism as motivation. Cement your credentials such as they are in the wake of the United game and really go for it. Have a good go at this team because, let's face it, they're not down that end of the table for no reason. There is a reason why they're down there. As hard as they're going to fight and as hard as they're going to play, there's a reason why they're at that end of the table. So go and do it. Just go on, do it. It's there. Look, Premier League in the distance. Just do it. Bounce back. Respond. React. And we did for, what, half an hour? More or less anyway. 15, 20 minutes. Very bright opening to the game. Alexis had hit the post. Joel Campbell scored a goal. A really good goal. Alexis passed. Joel Campbell sliding in and finishing it. like Lovely improvised finish. Okay, that is what you need. Goals have been hard to come by. First halves have come and gone without a scoring or looking threatening in any way, but we have a goal after 15 minutes. Just, you couldn't ask for anything more than that. Now, you've put yourself in that position. Make the most of it. Now, I thought it was a foul on Messi Ozil, and the build-up to their goal, their equalizer, but fuck me. You know, we, we should be used at this point to not getting fouls and not getting things given to us. I'm not using that as any kind of excuse, but the way that that guy, this fucking Wayne Routledge, Wayne Routledge, who hasn't scored in a year, a man whose name, if you say it over and over again, sounds even more ridiculous than it does in the first place. Wayne Routledge, Wayne Routledge, Wayne Routledge. It's silly. He just, you know, ghosts between a couple of defenders and finishes. And then it's 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. And we've been in this position before, leading a game and we go in at half time, uh, you know, having let in a stupid goal. But, you know, you're still there. You're at home and you, it's the Premier League. The Premier League's over there. It's Leicester and Tottenham, the Premier League. We take off our best attacking player. And after Joel Campbell went off... We didn't look anywhere near as uh, incisive. Now, I think maybe second half he faded a little bit. I think that's not unreasonable to say. But at the same time, when a guy has scored you a goal and has been creative and has done the best attacking work on the pitch, you don't take him off. And the reason he took him off was because he is sort of expendable because he's down the pecking order in the manager's thinking. You know, we know that from the way that Joel Campbell has been in and out of the team this season. That he's the easiest one to take off. But it wasn't a substitution based on, on merit in any way. It was a substitution based on a pecking order, a hierarchy that Arsene Wenger has in his mind. Within, what, 20 seconds of him coming off, we should have been behind. Sigurdsson missed an open goal. I mean, how do we let that happen? How do we let an open goal situation uh, come to pass? Bad defending. Gabriel was bad. Gabriel was bad when he gave away the free kick. A lazy, lazy, a danielson esque tackle, which gave them a free kick, and the delivery from Sigurdsson was fantastic. I mean, we should know that, that he's he's capable of putting in great dead balls. Um, we didn't do enough to defend that. I don't think Cech was at his best. But, you know, you're 2-1 down. You still have 15 minutes, uh, plus whatever injury time. And what's our answer? We throw on Theo Walcott, a man with two goals in 24 games for Alexis Sanchez, who was playing like a bag of shit in the second half. There's no two ways about it. He was vaguely culpable in that second goal for getting caught in possession or making a bad pass, which they intercepted. But, you know, he had an assist and he tries and he's involved and he works hard. Like if, you're, if, if your cavalry is Theo Walcott, you're going to get fucking scalped. Sorry. Sorry. That's the way it works, and so from a week, uh, you know, four days when we're looking for what six points because you're playing a, like a ragtag United side and Swansea at home, you have you have no points. And unfortunately, I haven't passed out with the pain at all. The torture, oh, it hurts. It's painful. It's agonizing to watch this shit but I haven't passed out with the pain and hope hasn't come along and thrown his bucket of ice cold water in there to wake me up again. And the ridiculous part about all this is that, you know, the premier league this season is so attainable for this group of players. Alexis Sanchez saying we have the quality of players who can win the title. We just don't have the belief. We lack the kind of hunger, which is an amazing thing to say. But I'm going to talk about his comments and everything else uh, in a few moments' time when uh, when I introduce the guests. Do we need any more sad synth? I don't know. It needs to be sadder than that, I think, for what's happened this week. Um. Okay. Well, look, let's do it then. Let me um. Let me welcome the guests to this week's show. First up, a little bit of a podcast crossover from the Tuesday Club. It's Tyre Papula. Hi there.
1: Hello, Andrew. Thanks for having me on, mate.
0: Absolute pleasure. Tim Stillman, good evening and hello to you. Good evening, and hello to everybody. Hello to everyone. Yes, you're right. We shouldn't everyone. be so. Listeners, yeah. Everything. <laughs> everyone in the whole world. <laughs> um, all right. Well, look. This week has been a week in which there has been uh, 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 an outpouring of anger and frustration, and we all know why, and we all understand why. But maybe what we should try and do in in this conversation, as much as we can, is is try and make sense of it or or figure out. Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um so let's let's start with with what happened um against Swansea. We needed an early goal to sort of calm the nerves and get everybody a bit relaxed, and we did that. We got the early goal, everyone was more relaxed, Joel Campbell was great, he was running around and and then you know, it just seemed like that was the peak. The fifteenth minute when we scored was the peak of the game, Tim. And then from there, we you know we just we just Arsenaled the fucking
2: shit out of it.
3: Yeah, it's it's been a I, I actually thought um, we were really well, really good. To probably overstating it, but relatively compared to what we've been serving up over the last couple of months, we were really good until Swansea equalized. Um, and the Swansea equaliser did really come out of nowhere. Um, they weren't really pushing for it. Um, and, you know, the, the goal was, I, I think we were a little bit hard done by on a couple of decisions, but we still didn't cover ourselves in glory. Mm. And it's definitely been a theme of the last two games where actually we started against United okay. I thought the first 20 minutes we were we were pretty decent at Old Trapper, And then as soon as we conceded a goal this kind of just sheer panic seemed to set in. And it was kind of the same against Swansea, really. The game just went in kind of three stanzas in terms of we started very well, we imposed ourselves on the game, we were creating chances, we scored, they equalised, we panicked a bit, they went ahead and we really, really panicked after that. And that's, you know, that's just a symptom really of, mm. of, very low confidence i think at the moment and as soon as we ship a goal we just we look really really vulnerable um and it's very difficult to make sense of you know the 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 confidence issue certainly i think Mm. it's been very apparent for a couple of months that the team's dysfunctional that it doesn't have the right balance of all players and runners and and whatnot but yeah this is this is something else is going on there as well in terms of the underlying confidence.
0: Mm, I have a theory about that. We'll come to that in, in a couple of a couple of minutes time. Uh, Tayo, when when they scored with fifteen minutes to go, there was like a there was sort of um. I was I was expecting more booze from the television coverage and from the stands because I thought that's the way that people would react. But instead, it seemed there was just this weary resignation as to well, yes, of course, that's what was going to happen. Um,
1: yeah, uh, uh, sorry, a yeah. bit of both. Actually, a bit of both, really. Um, I mean, again, something we'll come on to how sort of how you know how toxic it felt in there um, at times yesterday. But I mean, I settled down to the game, not wanting to be there, which is kind of standard, standard for standard for the season so far. Um, the guys around me were we're in a really good mood so you know of course it's Arsenal at home so you get quite excited again and like, and, and like Tim said we scored you know we, we scored I didn't quite relax um, at the time we scored just because we are in peak Arsenal at a mode at the moment mm. and I just you know uh, there's a part of the muscle memory of easy <laughs> home victories uh, you know settling in uh, to, to enjoy the game um, that's still sort of there but then the mind kicks in going we're going to mess this up in a minute Right, mm. and and I'll disagree with you a little bit, Tim, um, with the goal. I mean, I felt hard done by at the time because you because you just do. But that's the second time in recent weeks that um, um, that Özil um, um, has allowed himself to be kind of bullied like that. This this kind of it, it's what happens over here, and. Um, I, I feel a little less hard done by by that. Then you know the there other mistakes kind of coming up, to, uh, uh, leading up to them scoring, um, which frustrated me more than, than 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 the supposed free kick. And as you say, when when their goal went in. It just—I've just remembered now that we don't come back anymore. I mean, we don't come back from these kind of situations anymore like mm. we used to. So there was certainly a resignation um, from the players, but in the stands, it felt a lot more like anger. You know, th- the next misplaced pass was going to spark everyone off, mm. and that's—and that's exactly what happened. And it felt—it um, felt brutal in there yesterday at times. Mm.
0: It's a good job, in fairness, that we don't misplace too many passes; otherwise, people would have gone fucking fucking <laughs> mental. I mean, what does it say before we can? continue with this so what does it say Tayo that you know this is a game we came off the back of a terrible uh, result against Manchester United and everyone's fucked off uh, and rightly so because that was a a blown opportunity but um, Leicester dropped points the night before we're still in a title race and you're looking around the stadium and that's not a stadium that's packed with people who are like into a title challenge
1: no I think uh, I think we've all I think we've all felt for a while that we've been doing, you know, we've been top or near the league in spite of ourselves. I think, I think our, any, you know, any seasoned Arsenal fan will, will, will would have known that it doesn't take much for the House of Cards to come, you know, tumbling down. Basically, uh, that's sort of the House of Sand. What is the analogy? House and of I mean, Cards, yeah, It is House of Cards to come tumbling mm. down. So, so yeah, I think it's. I think what happened next is what we've all kind of half thought would happen next. I mean, I don't, none. I really, I knew Tottenham wouldn't win last night. Um, <laughs> I just knew because because Tottenham still, but um, <laughs> but worse than you know, but worse than that still is because of us Ars- because Arsenal. Yeah. We weren't going we to capitalise on it, and I think there's. I think it's just we're getting as fans we're getting more and more tired, or more weary. Of the, of the same thing happening, of course.
2: Mm.
0: Arsene Wenger said afterwards, Tim, that he felt the team were unlucky having hit the, the woodwork. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, but So how how is it, can you be so unlucky that you, you keep having the same bad luck over and over again? Is that just really, really, really unlucky or is there a,
3: a deeper no. line problem? No, I, I think in in isolation, I think he was absolutely right. I, I don't think even you know as as bad as we were for certainly half of the game, we we still didn't deserve to lose. I don't think. Um, I still think we did enough to win. I, I keep thinking back to do you remember a league game against Newcastle in January that we won one nil, mm. and we were abject, and we played a lot better than that. Um, but we kind of we lucked that one a little bit. Um, and won it one nil, and so nobody really worries too much about the performance. And I, I thought we were better than that last night. Um, but no, I, you know, in isolated incidents, yes, you can be a bit unlucky, and you know, decisions haven't been great for us. So we've we've been had some kind of grievances over a number of goals that have gone in. But over a kind of longer period of time, no, it's not about bad luck. I mean, my own, uh, and this is just me really. When it comes to kind of finishing. If a goalkeeper makes a save, I just consider it a, a poor finish. If they hit the woodwork, I mean, it depends on the context. I, I tend to chalk that slightly more on the luck end of the spectrum. Again, some some kind of hitting, sometimes hitting the woodwork is unluckier than, than others. Like when Sanchez hits it from a free kick, well, there's not much more you can ask him to do there. And you know, you look a couple of weeks ago, and Chamberlain smacks one in off the post and you look at that sanchez curler in the first half i mean that there's there's a millimeter between those two shots mm. um but over the whole piece no um we've we've just not been clinical enough and that's and i think that's a bit of a symptom of we we don't move the ball well enough at the moment and so when we it's such a huff and puff to get the ball close to the goal that once we're actually there there's just no serenity
2: mm. um, just, because so-
3: it's yeah, because it, cause it's just so frantic, and it's just you know we we're snatching at them, and 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 I I think that's that's just a product of the way we're playing.
1: Tyle. I was I was just going to say, I mean, uh, on on the on the three uh, woodwork chances yesterday, Giroud should have scored. Yeah, mm-hmm. Giroud should should have scored. You know, from there. Full throttle, puts his wrong foot through it, but he's you know he's he's hit the bar from eight yards from a perfect knockdown. He should have. <clears scored throat> and um, being 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 tough because we are today. Then um, the Alexis chance comes about because you know Alexis this time last year scores that before he's even had the ch- You know b- before he's even come to that because he because he fluffed the volley. Hmm. Really, um, so it, re- it it is a case of 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 off key finishing, um, which, in isolated incidents, then you can say we hit the post three times. But really, when you look at it, uh, uh, as I say, I think I think I think it's more a case of. Uh, it, it, it goes down as a mistake as, as chances missed as mistakes made rather than rather than unlucky you know
0: unlucky know sure. over the course of this season that's been an issue hasn't it from the early part of the season we were creating chances and not scoring enough I think you know even the first five or six games of the season there was this stat where uh, compared to our, our goal conversion basically uh, in relation to how many chances we were creating was was really really low and that's been an issue all season long I think you can see that reflected in in how many goals we've scored so far this season. But when we come back to the the, the way we play, and Tim, you've mentioned it there a couple of times, my, my feeling on this, right, is that uh, when Alexis Sanchez talks about how the team don't have belief to go and win the title, like he's, he's talked up the players and he said they should be able to do it, but they lack the belief to go onto the pitch as if they're winning 1-0. Arsene Wenger has always been a manager whose style of football is obvious, Right. We know what way he wants to play. He's built like uh, you know when, when he had the, uh, the the young players coming through. We played this sort of vaguely Barcelona tiki tacky football, and over the last number of years, it's become slightly muddled. Like we've had great results by sitting back and countering. Um, You think about Manchester City, you think about Bayern Munich, um, you know, results like that where we've done really well. You think of Manchester United this season where it was quite the opposite, where we went at them uh, really, uh, really fast from the off. Uh, One of the the best performances of of the season, one of the only good performances of the season. But I don't think these players know what exactly they're supposed to be doing or how they're supposed to be playing. No. That's to to me that's why I look at them and they you're looking at them going, they they don't know.
1: It's 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 so unlike um you know what we've grown up with really, um of late I should say. Um and those performances you you mentioned there, whether it's um, Man United or Bayern Munich um, or even Barcelona uh, previously, um, you've had um, you've had a good Arteta, a fit Arteta, or you've had a Santi Cazorla. Obviously, um, taking the ball off, you know, taking the ball off uh, the back four, which has been a real. Which has been a real problem. Um, there are, you know, there are better technical people than me. But just as 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 I mentioned um, on Twitter this morning, with a, a tortured, broad church analogy of just seeing Murataker looking up, trying to pass to someone all the time, <laughs> and not knowing what to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't recognise this Arsenal where um, they've got they, like you say, they don't seem to know what to do. Um, I, they've got no one to play the ball to. I, I mean, I wonder if. If check to Mertesacker, Mertesacker to check was the most played pass yesterday. Because um, mm. it's possible, um, it's so un- it's so unusual to see um, a usually organised team s- struggle so struggle so hard. And that was actually been one of the get outs that we've had in the in these barren years. You know, we can sort of slightly put our noses in the air and say at least we enjoy our football. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while since that's been the case. Yeah, Tim,
0: any thoughts? Uh,
3: Yeah, I I think um, on one hand, uh, I think we tried so hard because we had this problem a couple of years ago of getting walloped in big games and our record was so poor and we were all asking for kind of greater tactical flexibility, the ability to sit back and soak up pressure. It's actually something we do very well now. Um, But actually, I think you're right. It seems like we've kind of gotten a bit muddled up. And uh, someone tweeted me the other day with a a question I, I found really quite enlightening actually he said um what are we are we a pressing team are we a sit back and contain team are we direct are we a passing team mm. and I thought yeah I don't know actually <laughs> like yeah. i you know on, on one hand it's it's kind of good to have um you know a lot of flexibility but it it, it feels like we haven't really mastered any of those styles uh, maybe at home against bigger opposition when we can sit back and I think Coughlin and Kazola is a uh, partnerships that that's tailor-made for that kind of game particularly and and we've kind of had some success in those games but really it just it just kind of feels like we don't really have a style and when you look at kind of the way the squad has been quote-unquote constructed um, in recent times you know we kind of fell on Cochrane and Kazola mm. by accident and in Aaron Ramsey I look around you know, and Aaron Ramsey um is playing in central midfield, which is obviously going you know, nobody the player and the manager did not want him to play on the right in the long in the long term. That was never part of the long term plan. But we haven't got now that Mikel Arteta is dead, we haven't got a single <laughs> midfielder he can actually play with. Um, which is which is baffling really. It just mm. makes you think what what's the plan? What was what was in the manager's mind when he was kind of Building this team, it kind of feels like he was really, really banking on that eleven he stumbled upon really at the in the second half of last season, just lasting the course again, yeah, and you've only got to take a couple of links out of the chain, and um a lot of those players in those positions don't work mm. really or don't work yeah. as well, and it doesn't really feel like we have a plan um to kind of to augment that
0: do you think the manager Knows quite what kind of football he wants to play because in recent years that the, you know, like you mentioned, the big defeats that we got and our record in big games, and in a way we've we've addressed that, but perhaps at the expense of of other factors of our game that were good, that were effective, mm. that were certainly more effective than they are now. So on the one hand, he's thinking, okay, well look, in these big games we're more competitive, we're we're winning that we're winning some of these games we weren't doing that before, but on the other hand i'm I'm a, a manager who likes to play attacking football he likes his teams to impose themselves on the game he doesn't like to be he doesn't like his team to be necessarily reactive he wants them to be proactive and and I think this sort of level of confusion that's coming from from him is transmitted to the players and I think that's affecting performances because I think yeah. they feel that as well
3: yeah yeah certainly I mean it's something i we did this morning, actually, that it, it's amazing. I'm looking at an Arsene Wenger team and I'm thinking, do you know what it really lacks? It lacks technical players. Yeah. <laughs> um, which which is just a balmy thing to say, really. But, you know, you look at the midfielders he's got that you'd qualify as kind of technical. And it's Rizitsky, um is dead. Arteta, dead. Wilshire, dead. And then you've just got Kazola. And uh, it, it it's, it's really... Yeah, yeah. I, I With, think and can- it's 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 just really weird when you look at that midfield of a few years ago we used to play with a midfield 4 that had Klebrzitsky and Fabregas in it we haven't got one player at the moment who is close to any of them in terms of you know speeding the game up and aiding transitions and things like that and it's it's just a, a you know the sort of player that Arsene Wenger loves um he just doesn't seem to have anymore On that muddled tip,
1: I mean, there were times more than more than a couple of times at Old Trafford where you saw Ozil coming back to get the ball off the back four because um, you know out of frustration more than anything. You can also see why the manager was so reluctant to play uh, Ramsey in the middle when he had um, as close to a full complement of players at the start of the season because it reminds me of that time. It reminds me a bit of um, when Benitez uh, said to Stephen Gerrard, "You're not, you know, you're not a central midfielder," and started playing him uh, to try and utilise his strengths. But coming in off the coming in off the flank, mm. um, it's very similar to that. Ramsey's, you know, you can see when Ramsey gets the ball. Um, he, I mean, at least he runs forward. Christ, there's many who don't at the moment. At least he's running forward with it. He doesn't quite know what to do with it when he um, and for 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 our dynamic centre midfielder to give the ball away so much um is 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 a real worry and, and like you say uh like you both say i i i haven't seen such a sort of a poverty of a midfield for quite some time and it's very surprising given the values mm. that um, th- this manager's always um, you know expanded
0: Tyra what did you make of the um, the, the Joel Campbell uh, substitution because he is somebody who generally only gets about ha- an hour if he starts yeah. or, or, or 70 minutes but on, on the night it wasn't too dissimilar from the time he brought on was it Arshaven for Oxlade-Chamberlain against Manchester United and everyone went Bananas. But I think that's
1: what I mean a little bit about the atmosphere. I think mm. I think he was gonna. I think anyone was just about to get it, and it was a perfect time because I said to our lot, um, Joel Campbell spent the first half right in front of us where we sit where we sit in the ground. Mm. He was patrolling our side. He was herring about. He played. He played really well. Um, but I did say I said to uh, to the general midfield general that there's no way he's going to last this game. Maybe and and he said to me, well, maybe that's be- maybe he's playing the way he is because he knows already that he's going to only get you know that 60 to 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. And Arsene does have his players, which um, who he does that too. So um, I think it turns out that he was one of our better performers on the night. Of course, he was, but I wasn't so surprised by the substitution because. I think Joel Campbell was beginning to tire. And I think um, as uh, Swansea gained confidence, he wasn't tracking back as much in the second half. So it it didn't... I just think the circumstances um, added to the toxicity in there, as it were. But I don't think as a substitution itself, it was that much of a problem.
0: Tim?
3: Um, yeah, I... The thing is, Campbell. He's he was playing really, really well. I think he was our, our, our best player. I I agree with Tyo, that I think anyone that would have come off, I think, pretty much there would have been. I mean, if Alex, even though he wasn't playing well at all, even if it had been Alexis, I think at that moment people wanted to vent. But um, I've I found that I I didn't see much evidence at the time of the substitution that Joel Campbell's energy levels had dropped. I think they probably would have. Uh, given what we've seen from him before however I, I just didn't see that at the time and it, mm. it kind of felt pre-planned to be honest and and the thing was if you're lacking kind of calmness if you're lacking someone who can pick a pass well Joel Campbell can actually do that he's one of the few kind of players in our team who you know qualifies as a remotely creative option um, and you know the, the substitution we did make just you know it just didn't Really help anyway, so yeah. it
0: was. I think it was, think of... it was
1: done out of seniority more than anything. That's a, yeah, that was, yeah,
0: that's a point I made just before I uh, in the the intro part that I think it wasn't anything to do with merit It was to do with hierarchy uh, and the way that the manager views Joel Campbell as somebody who he can who he can treat like that in a way. Yeah. you know who's who you could see he was disappointed when he was when he was coming off um I, I take the point that he was he was not quite as effective in the second half but I think as well you know there's a message isn't there when you do that when a guy when your team is not playing really really well and you're struggling but the guy who's got you a goal who created a couple of good chances as well uh, and who has like burst his hole for the team and made the the most telling contribution when you take him off I think there's a message there somewhere. Uh, and it's not a positive one.
1: I think I think you're I think you are right there, and I think you know um, on merit. Then, of course, Alexis, for example, should have come off for um, for Welbeck. But um, I don't think I think there's been quotes over the years of. Um, from Lee Dixon or someone like that, who said that the, you know this manager doesn't like confrontation and taking off the taking off the guy who's most grateful to be there kind of gives you you know is is, is an easy out and whether whether the manager should be doing that is another thing. But taking off Alexis is probably something that he probably didn't want to
2: yeah.
0: have to deal with. Do you know what I mean? Sure. I mean, look, I would have left him on, and we're going to come on to Alexis now. I, I thought he played; he was terrible in the second half. He really was. You know, the free kick was was uh, was a moment, but that was about it. But, you know, if you're looking for somebody to make a contribution, to do something, you know, we know it feels like he's getting a little bit closer uh, to having that little breakthrough moment uh, since his comeback. Um, and I just think that you'd feel more confident about getting a goal if you needed a goal with, with Alexis on the pitch. And then uh, he took him off. So, uh, Tim, um, I know that your column this evening uh, on Ars blog is about Alexis, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet while we're recording. Um, what What do you make of how he's playing at the moment? And what, what does Arsene Wenger do? Does he stick with him? I mean, you can't go to White Hart Lane, for example, and not play Alexis Sanchez. Um, yeah. He's sort of stuck, isn't he? In, in the sense that he has to give him the time to get back to where we know he can be.
3: Well, yeah, I was thinking about this. To, I mean, the fact that he did take him off and he took him off at 2-1 as well. Um, you know, that that says a lot about what the manager thinks about the way he's playing. And he's been fairly vocal about, you know, that he's trying too hard and he knows he's in bad form. And I, th- I think he'd definitely think of dropping him were it not for the fact that who do you bring in, Theo Walcott? <laughs> I mean, even Chamberlain was getting games despite the fact that he was in really bad form. Mm. Um, or, well, he was kind of getting somewhere closer to not his best by any means, but competent. Um, and so that that's his choice is to, is to put Theo Walcott in. There isn't really anybody else. I mean, I think the thing is, first of all, Um, he's he's playing much deeper um, at the moment because of the lack of creative players. So all of his action is kind of near the centre circle when really you want him much closer to goal. Um, One of the things I I covered in the piece was that actually a lot of his numbers, like his passing numbers, the amount of blocked shots, the amount of shots are the same um, as they were when he was in his best form. Um, They're just not going in. Um, He's always been a fairly inefficient player, A bit like someone like Aguero is quite inefficient if you actually watch him. Suarez is quite inefficient if you watch him. They miss lots of chances. They miss lots of passes. But the thing they all share is they keep going until something happens for them. And then they'll do something that erases the effect of all of those shanked passes to nobody and those shanked shots into the crowd. Um, And that's what he's missing at the moment. He's just not clinical. Um, And I think had that shot gone in in the first half, that would have been... So so important for him, but I mean, I I just think at the moment, particularly from the wide areas, you know, there's, you look at all of our options, and none of them are especially creative. And and one of the things I'd give serious thought to, uh, we were talking about the midfield earlier. I think Urso kind of an elephant in the room in terms of because he has such a free role. And don't get me wrong, he's he's that good a player that you give him a free role, but it means that the midfield too are, are quite exposed. Um, defensively, and one, one and I think we lack creativity in the front line. And I, I wonder if it's worth revisiting, you know, perhaps putting us on the right or the left for a game or two um, to kind of bring us that creativity a little bit higher up the pitch and perhaps solidify the middle a little bit more. Um, I think it's definitely worth thinking about mm. whether it's worth doing is another thing. Um, but with Alexis, I, I think you're right. I think he is getting a bit closer, but actually his overall game is not hugely different to what it usually is. It's just he's, he's far too deep um, and the ball's just not going in the net for him.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I wonder about that. You know, if you play play Ozil wide, um, do not leave yourself exposed there. And, you know, that's kind of where we've been found out a bit. Maybe. Yeah. Tiger, Certainly what,
3: against Tottenham yeah. who play two yeah. very adventurous fullbacks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tyra, what's your thoughts on, on the the struggles, the trials and tribulations of Alexis, well, Alexis Sanchez?
1: Yeah, it's really, it's it's a little bit painful to watch at the moment because everything, uh, I mean, you've seen it a lot with players out of form, especially when players who rely on a short burst of pace like that. He's not, you know, he's not getting away from, he's not getting away from people in front of him. And he, and he seems to be, he seems to be pausing a little bit and letting a defender get set which earlier on in the season when he was doing everything when there was a bit more of a speed of thought then the, then that wasn't the case so yeah he's definitely he's definitely thinking about it too much it's a definitely a tricky one you know lord knows we're carrying enough we're carrying enough players at the time um, without having you know without having to carry another one the manager mm-hmm. is stuck because he is you know he's a game changer he's an explosive talent and you have to keep waiting for it to happen but it's Costing us attacking moves again and again. Watching him getting frustrated yesterday was 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 really painful to watch as well. He was you know kicking the ground and punching his fist. Um, sorry, punching his hand and mm. like looking up to the sky and all the exclamations. So it's really playing on his mind at the moment. So it's a very tricky thing to watch. But then you know, given given the people we have fit and given his status in the squad, there's not much we can do at the moment apart from. hope that he can play through it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that, you know, if you did have alternatives or if the rest of the team weren't playing so poorly at the moment, you could say, okay, take him out of the firing line, let him, you know, recharge and and come back in. But, you know, I don't think we have those options. And I think we've got to... uh I think we've we've just got to keep playing him, and certainly we have got to play him um, in the derby on Saturday. Um, and it's
1: not just him, Manju at all. I mean, I can't, no, I'm struggling sure. to think of I'm struggling to think of a time when we've had so many players out of form at the same time. It seems really unlike this team um, to have so many players struggling at once. You know, all of those I mean, all those wide positions have been a problem for for at least a half this season. You know.
0: Mm yeah this is true, Tim. How are you feeling about the Derby on Saturday? We've got a couple more things to talk about. We might as well just do the the, the derby thing first and then we'll <laughs> we'll speak about the manager
3: um i I'd, I'd say terrified, but I'm always terrified <laughs> by derby games, so I, I don't think I'm any more terrified than usual. um I suppose something to try and do is come up with reasons why we might win it. Well,
0: form goes actually, out the window in the derby
3: well well, there is that and and Spurs actually you know and don't get me wrong they they deserve the kudos um. That's that's come their way this year, but with teams like Spurs and Leicester, because there isn't the same level of expectation, there's not the same level of criticism. And actually, Spurs have had some dodgy games. They lost at home to Palace. They lost at home to Leicester. They should have lost at home to Leicester in the FA Cup as well. They're not invincible. Um, I I admit I, I haven't seen anything of their game last night, but I read a piece Barney Roney wrote, and um, he you know he said they looked quite anxious. You know they had the chance to go top. Against West Ham, and he said that they were very, very anxious. I actually happened to end up sitting next to a West Ham fan on the train home um, last night, and he said to me they were terrible. That that Spurs, he was expecting, you know, Spurs to really, really come at them, and, and that actually they looked very, very tentative. And he said it, he thought it's the worst he'd seen them play this season. So, you know, there's a chance that it's playing on their mind a little bit, and they've got another chance to go top if they beat us. I think I'm right in saying. Mm. Um, so, you know, we we can but hope that that pressure tells on them. I, I also think it's not a bad thing for us to be away from home at the moment. And if there is one place that you can absolutely guarantee that the Arsenal fans will back you, it's at Spurs. Mm.
2: Um,
3: and it's not so much out of, um, you know, deference to the team needing a G up. It's it's kind of one-upmanship, really. Yeah,
0: it's because they're um, a
3: yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, the, it does take the team. Well, obviously, they're in a toxic environment because they're at White Hart Lane. But at, at least it's not kind of their own fans on their back. And um, don't get me wrong. I think that's overstated when people point fingers at that. But
0: you uh, know, uh, was, fans it, like having an impact on the team because of the atmosphere.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's a little yeah. bit overplayed. but. Yeah. I think when you're as low on confidence as Arsenal are it you know it might have half a percent um and that you know that can be that can be enough when you're when you're not really feeling confident so you know I I don't think Spurs are um they've played brilliantly but I don't think they're this invincible force that everybody's saying they are no. um, and well like you say like in derbies you know the the form can go out the window a little bit and really if they if they can't Get themselves up for this um, then there's you know there 's very big problems mm. but
1: they haven 't got themselves up for these before recent in 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 recent times um you know um, which worries me i i 'm torn with this one i mean obviously I think we can all agree it's it 's a horrendous occasion um, it 's sooner over with um, even in even in better times, I just want to get out of there with the obligatory one or draw. And and go back to my life, you know. Um, but it's 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 this one has taken on such a significance. I I like to think that it will play a little bit, um, not into our hands. That's the wrong words. But it is in our favour to be um, the written off team of, of underdogs at the moment because that in itself, when you look at the squad and the riches that we have, it's funny for us to be underdogs. But if you know, if if there's an element of over confidence with their, you know, with their horrible fans, and and you know if if Delhi Ali can lose his temper, or so, you know, I don't think it's going to be such a bad thing for us to go into it with everybody having written us off. But I, but I did think having, the reason why I had that caveat at the beginning is because I thought that yesterday after the absolute coating that we got uh, after the Old traffic game, I thought that I thought they'd come out and you know and give a shit. Um and and, yeah. and and that and that didn 't kind of happen, so yeah, just what I can do is watch it through my fingers like everyone else
0: that 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 's sort of the worry for me, I have to say, because you know I thought last Sunday at Manchester United, I thought this. Uh, was the time where we could go and really make a statement. This team, this group of yeah. players, yeah, we hadn't been playing well, but look, guys, look at what's ahead of you and look at what you can achieve if you go there and you really put in a performance. And the fact that we weren't able to put, it, put in the right kind of performance was a worry, that we weren't then, as Arsene Wenger said, able to turn the criticism into motivation against Swansea. That That's a that's a real worry. Tao, do you worry that the manager is no longer able to motivate the players to the standard required yes, yes,
1: I do um I think it's I think there's always been questions um of that how he motivates the players anyway. I think he's very much a, he's you know he's on record, and ex players have always said you know he expects it to come from come from within i think um i don't think motivation is the problem in the same way that you know um i think tim you said this morning very well or something about you know the intangibles that we always hear about about bottle and passion yeah yeah you
0: know, it's yeah. not
1: you know it's not <laughs> it's not about that um
0: but is, I, isn't it about being able to make them or get them rather than make them. Well, make them maybe it is, but but get them to perform. You know, I don't mean that he's standing there giving them the whole. You know, come on, run around a bit, guys. <laughs> you know, that not that kind of thing. There's a different. There's a, there's a different level of it, I guess.
1: Um, I don't think it's. I don't. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that that side of it has really been lost because I don't really think that that side of it has ever really been a, a massive part of. of of this t- or of his teams or his management style, mm. in the good in the good days, um, in the better days, shall we say, then you had players who did that themselves. Um, you know, we've heard often about the training sessions where you know Keown and Campbell versus you know Wrighty and um, uh, Tierry and, and 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 Pires, and um, I think those players did it themselves. I don't think that's an issue for this team or this management. I think I think it would be great if right now that. They were it, they were capable of having a rocket put up them. Um, and I guess if that answers your question, then i don 't think he's the person to be able to put a rocket up them i don 't think that's what he could do yeah. um, and what concerns me the most concerning uh, the manager, apart from you know the, the balance of the team, which i 'm sure we'll get to any second, is what we talked about earlier on about just the muddle the jumble that they 're playing in at the moment that 's what surprises me most, and that 's what I always thought um soner would 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 be on top of.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean I think that for me that's a that's a real worry as well. But Tim, it feels like this week has has seen people tip over from yeah. one one side to the other and you know again I, I want to make the point that Arsene Wenger is somebody that I I like a lot, I like listening to him. I respect him a huge deal for what he's done at Arsenal Football Club. Um but you know you can you can like him and you can respect him but you can also think that you know now It might well be time for change, particularly in a season when the Premier League has panned out the way it has, where this opportunity, and it really is a huge, or it was, I don't know if it still is, but it was a huge opportunity to win the title this season, that if he can't win it this season, it doesn't feel like he's ever going to win it again. Um, so I mean, <clears throat> I, I know we're dealing in in shoulds here rather than what will actually happen because we know that this Arsenal board. But I mean, what, what's what's been your thoughts on what the last week has has uh, brought to your consideration of Arsene Wenger?
3: Um, I mean, for for a start, I don't quite buy the doomsday scenario in terms of people saying we'll never get. Um, Another chance to win it again because I remember people saying the same when you know Chelsea hired Mourinho, United had Van Gaal, Pellegrini came, and everyone said, "Right, that's it." You know, they're all going to sort themselves out now. Um, Nevertheless, there's absolutely no denying this is a huge opportunity. If you look at the fact that Mm -hmm. we're ahead of Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, um, some of them quite comfortably, and yet we're all still in. A pretty narky mood um about life i mean that's that's incredible really um that all those clubs are really underperforming and we're just and, and we're you know in terms of you look at points totals and the rest we're kind of just doing what we always do um and it just so happens that this season the ceiling's a little bit lower and actually you look at it and think well just step it up another couple of percent and you'll win the league mm. and um yeah. And it's you know was it in 2014 we finished fourth with 79 points. Um, that was, I think 79 points will win the league this year. Mm. Um, so we only really have to stand still um, to win it. But it, it it does just kind of feel like, and it's it's a slightly crazier league this year, and other other teams are much stronger. In in terms of um, how I feel about Arsene Wenger, I I do think that there's a there's a very big kind of feeling that if it doesn't happen this year, that there's really no excuse, um, to be honest, because usually if you're finishing behind the likes of Chelsea, Man City, even Man United, you've got, I don't want to call it an excuse, but you've got a a pretty valid reason for it. But, you know, if it's Leicester and Spurs, there's, Mm. you know, basically all the other teams that are underperforming and are behind Leicester and Spurs, those managers are going to lose their jobs. Um, Mourinho's already gone, Van Hal's gonna go, Pellegrini's gone. Um, you know, they're 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 all, you know, underperforming and all of their managers are gonna get the brunt of that. And so, you know, you ask the question, why not ours? Um yeah. and, and and it's a it's a pretty decent question, um, to be honest. And but it but it's a bit weird. What if we win the FA Cup and finish second? <laughs> will that, you know, I, I, I kind of, I have a feeling something like that might happen, that there might just be this little carrot that kind of just keeps you reeled in and invested a little bit and makes you think, well, but then maybe next season we can kick on from here. But it, it does feel like Stasis, um, to be honest, to mm. me. Um, and this, this this season was a big, big opportunity where even Stasis would be enough to yeah. win it.
0: But I mean, is, is there not also the case that the, the Stasis doesn't just exist in the managerial... Chair, it exists at board level as well because we know that Stan Kroenke, Tayo, is not a guy who gives shit one way or the other. Really, he doesn't care. You know, he's got his money in Arsenal. He's got the the cash reserves. It's a part of his business portfolio. And ultimately, if you look at what he does, and uh, so many of our uh, American readers and listeners have have emailed me over the years and said, with Kroenke, like his teams, he doesn't care one way or the other whether they're successful or not. He's not interested in presiding over sports franchises that win things. He likes them to, you know, to operate at a certain level financially. Um, We know that they're not, even if Arsenal don't win the league this season, um, unless there's like a flaming mob of pitchforks, like an actual one that goes down the stadium, we know that they're not going to, to sack Arsene Wenger. So does that, in some way... Uh, and I don't want to take away from the fact that Arsene Wenger is obviously a man who wants to win things. You can see, he kicks every ball. You know, he he suffers on the sidelines. Uh, you can see that in him that he wants to win. Uh, we can all hold our hands up and say, "Well, maybe you could do more to to make your team win." But um, he is not going. Oh fuck! I've completely lost my point here. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> What was I talking about?
1: You're talking about uh, uh, picking up from Cronky Yeah, uh, is stasis in the boardroom, stasis basically. In the- Correct.
0: So does this then uh, maybe subconsciously affect Arsene Wenger? So he says, oh, "Well, there's no pressure on me to actually go out and spend money on outfield players. So I, I'll, I'll just do what I feel like is kind of safe because there's a there's a there's a safe environment there for him to work in."
1: I definitely think there's a safe environment, and that that he's become comfortable in. I don't think there's anyone who's ever pushed him. Um, there's certain, you know, half half stories, whether you know whether they're true or not. But there's been times where um, you've heard that he's been put, egged on to egged on a little bit to 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 spend some of that money. Um, but I don't think there's anyone anywhere near him who can who can challenge him. And they've set that up. They've set that up so clearly. Which in good times sounds sounds great, you know, stability. We all, you know, we've all beat that drum in 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 you know when the dream was still alive around you know two thousand eight, nine, ten, 10, whatever. Mm. We're beating that drum about stability and 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 so on. It is now complete millstone around their necks, um, and Arsene Wenger doesn't have anyone who can tell him any different. And I think. I think he probably could have benefited with, you know, the relationship he had early on in, in his Arsenal career with David Dean and someone to actually be able to say, "Well, come on, mate," because as you say, um, Conky doesn't, Cronky is not bothered about, you know, um, the same things that we are, and and you can look at American owners throughout the league, whether it's in a terrible way with Randy Lerner, um, or um, or at the top end with us, there is a way, you know, this this is the way that this is the way that american owners run their football clubs so take out that kind of surprise of it um mm-hmm. the stacy's um can only be changed by by a manager who now either seems um or two things either he's still paralyzed by kind of fear of making the wrong decisions which which is a which is which is an indictment, um, or he genuinely thinks that um, the team that he's got together is 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 strong enough. And I do, um, which is clearly not the case because the fact that Matthew Flamini can be anywhere near the pitch to foul um, <laughs> um, Messi in the first place is a is a massive indictment of of, 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 of the transfer policy. Mm. So it's it's uh, the board is the board, but a stronger more dynamic manager at this point can do something about that because it's his, you know, because they've told him it's his club. Um, and people are quite quick to, to um, Tim, you mentioned about winning the FA Cup again. Um, I think the reason why it's taken people different lengths of time, shall we say, to to, to come around to any kind of view on the manager's position is that there is always next season and you can see what the method is and you can see how we're almost there
3: so they always give you that glimmer of hope
1: they always they always give you it's the hope that kills you right if only
0: we had like two or three players blah blah it's
1: always two or three players and this year this year uh Matthew Flamini came on the pitch and something inside me broke something inside me snapped then <laughs> <laughs> really so um i mean it's much more of a nuanced argument than you're allowed in 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 these arsenal social media times mm. but um and like you say i think you can have huge respect for someone and still massively criticize them and that's how i feel right now
0: yeah yeah i'm you know i'm like i'm like that um the abuse drives me mad But at the same time, uh, you know, just the way that it's gone this season and, you know, I got friends who are season ticket holders who came out of last uh, the game on Wednesday night talking about not renewing their season tickets because they're just they're just fed up with it. They're tired of, of watching the same thing. They're tired, Tim, of being two or three players away every season.
3: Yeah, I mean I I think um I I don't think that Arsene Wenger, you know, thinks of the club as his own personal fiefdom or anything like that. I don't think there's an arrogance to it. I do think what has happened is that he's become inherently more conservative um and you can see it in a lot of his team selections sometimes. I it, think you can see it in the transfer policy as well.
0: Is that not like something to expect from a man who is now 65 or 60. yeah, as, as you get older you you naturally become more conservative
3: absolutely and you can tell he feels so much for the club as well um that you know it of course you're going to be a bit more risk averse if you're if you've been somewhere for 20 years and you love it and he clearly does love the club you know to to i think almost the detriment of his health by the looks of it sometimes i think he he feels deeply and actually that you know that that might that might be you know adversely influencing the, you know because you look at the the one I can't get my head around for example I I can get my head around why the world class striker hasn't appeared and I think he desperately wants that you know he went for Suarez he went for Higuain he's gone for all sorts um, I think he desperately wants that but I, I can see why it hasn't arrived because there's just they're, they're just not on the market but then when I look at something like Arteta who is the sort of player he's been prepared to depend on for years. um, And not incorrectly, in my opinion. Um, But, you know, he gave up on him this season so, so quickly after a couple of appearances. Um, And again, not incorrectly. It's it's very obvious that, you know, he's just physically not up to it anymore. But he, he must have been thinking over the summer. He must have been close to that decision. He can't have just all of a sudden decided, right, Arteta's not up to it anymore. He must have thought... You know, there's a good chance that's going to happen for him to have made that decision so quickly. And And yeah, for someone who's been like the fault, you know, a fulcrum of our team for so long, and then not to kind of try and recruit someone to who can remotely do that job, um, it just seems it, it just seems like that safe, conservative, you know, sticking instead of twisting. And and you know, perhaps we're in a position now where we can We can literally afford to take some risks, mm. um, so it 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 does strike me that he's and you know you look at the team selections and things like that, when things clearly aren't working, um, he still tends to stick with what he knows, even if what he knows is underperforming. And here we sit with El on the on the on on, on the bench, um,
1: untrusted on in March, two months after we signed him, mm. um, which which uh, which doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and you know, again, I can applaud, I can applaud the the, the the loyalty that that he shows. We I think we didn't buy a forward in January because he was waiting for Danny Welbeck. Um, um, but there are glaring holes in the squad. Which um, loyalty aside it doesn't make sense to have not to to have not um, augmented the squad um, a midfield of you know a midfield with Rizicki, um, with arteta with you know i'm not going to go dead 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 again but you because you've done that but there are <laughs> there are six or seven players there in a squad of what is it 23 mm, 25 um, yeah who, who who will not play football this see who will not play almost you know that from September, they will not play football. Mm. So, so replace them. Yeah, and not least, I mean, we haven't got into the hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy odd in the bank. Um, and I'm surprised <laughs> that um, that he gets more, con- that one would get more conservative. I mean, I was, when you said that earlier, I was thinking, did Ferguson do that as well? Um,
0: I don't know I mean I think that's just natural human nature there was a, a great piece by Ken Early in the Irish Times where he said Arsene Wenger at this point you know he would rather um he would rather do nothing than make a mistake and yeah. and that seems to be the case when you look at when you look at Wilshire when you look at um uh, even someone like Walcott, for example where perhaps a decision could have been made a season ago or when two you get, seasons When you ago. get
1: when you get when you when you're when you're feeling uh, when you get half excited and you you know you, and you get in an Ursula or a Sanchez, you know, whack the zip all the way down and let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't get don't get shy then. If you're going to go and buy forty two million pounds worth of joy, then give him someone else to pass to.
0: Yes. (laughs) Please. Yes.
1: Because you've gone that far, so do the rest.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, gents, listen, um, I I appreciate your time because we've been uh, rattling on for the best part of an hour now, and I know that people have places to be and and, uh, things to do. So, uh, Tayo Papula from uh, the Tuesday Club, thank you very much indeed.
1: It flew by. Thanks, Andrew. Sure
0: did. And Tim Stillman, thank you.
1: Thank you.
3: I I feel better now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anyone else will, but it's probably the beer you've been drinking, by the way. Yes. (laughs) Good night, gents. Nice one. Take
1: care.
3: Bye.
0: Thanks very much indeed to both my guests there. Uh, time really did fly by almost an hour. Uh, if you want to follow them on Twitter, you can do that. Tayo is at DJ Tio, And, of course, you can hear him uh, on the Tuesday Club podcast with Alan Davis and the rest of the crew. Uh, Tim Stillman at Stillberto. And you'll find his column here on Arse Blog every Thursday. So make sure you uh, check in and read those too. So I don't know. What are we going to do now? Because that was a long chat really was a long chat and we've sort of covered the derby we covered all the stuff during the week and and everyone came out feeling a little bit better a little bit what if i keep talking and and ruin that what if i what if i do my new impression this is my best impression i've been working on this for a long time okay this is my impression of the tyrannosaurus rex in jurassic park approaching the car with the kids in it Do his growl as he looks in the window, though it's pretty good, though. No, yes, sorry, I'm playing around with it. I've found all kinds of things on this thing, apart from synthesizers and pianos and stuff, you can get all kinds of weird noises. It's great, and I love noises. Ooh. <sighs> Film trailer noises. Maybe I should make a film trailer. I was going to talk about some other stuff t- this week actually uh, about footballers and social media, but I don't feel like this week is probably the best week to do it. And we've you know we've gone over the hour now already, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. You know I know it's precious. I know you've got a limited amount of time in which to uh, to listen to me, so I might just save that for another week, maybe when things aren't quite as you know. Not so much other stuff going on. Maybe that's a slow, weak news story. But, uh, yeah, we can, we can cover that. So, look, that's it, really. North London Derby tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask. I just don't know what's going to happen. It is a Derby. Anything can happen. Form goes out the window. Blah, 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 blah. But also, you know, it's it's very hard not to be worried. That this uh, this week won't have sapped what little confidence and belief we have. Maybe because it's a derby, you know, we'll we'll redouble our our chances of turning the uh, criticism into motivation and and uh, reacting and responding. We'll do double hard of that, and it'll actually work. And we'll feel a lot better come sort of what half two. Uh, or 2 o'clock, whatever it might be on uh, on Saturday afternoon, maybe we'll feel better. Because that would make me feel better, obviously. I'd like us uh, very much to win that game. And it makes all of our lives better and easier if Arsenal win. And I say that as somebody who's had to get up and write about this week every single day. I'm not complaining about it, but, you know, life is easier when we win because it's better. So uh, I think Arsenal owe us, don't they? After the week we've had, I think they owe us a victory don't care how we get it. I don't care how lucky it is, how spawny it is. Frankly, I don't care if we pull off the greatest piece of gamesmanship or football cheating that the game has ever seen. That leaves everybody outraged to the point where they're going bananas, apoplectic with rage that it'll go on in the newspapers for weeks and weeks and weeks. They'll be talking about how dreadful and terrible and nasty and how just terrible people we are. I don't care. I want that, actually, now, now that I think about it. That's what I want, some piece of arch gamesmanship that wins us the game and Tottenham go mental and everyone else goes mental. But we don't because we've got three points. And that's really all that matters. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for that. James and I will be here on Monday with an RSCast Extra for you. Of course, we've got FA Cup action next week as well, don't we? Yeah, the uh, the replay against Hull and then we'll have to see what happens uh, for the weekend after that. So look, let's everybody keep fingers crossed that this, uh, this game tomorrow turns out better than the games we've had to endure this week. Talk to you on the Arscast Extra on Monday and of course on next week's Arscast. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening as always. Cheers, bye-bye.
2: Andre, Andre, uh, I know you're busy, but can we get a quick word? Oh, okay, okay. I'm sure you've seen the football this week. Two losses for Arsenal, and it looks like their title chances are down the toilet. What, what, what do you think's gone wrong? Oh, it's very obvious that uh, when Arshavin leave, team do not have any mental strength anymore. Don't have one bit, but uh, I'm not quite sure that mental strength was something that you were particularly renowned for. Oh no, Arsene Wenger tell me many times, Andre, don't eat all cakes, don't eat those biscuits, don't eat a whole packet of penguins, don't eat six thousand jelly baby. But I have mental strength to eat all the goodies. I'm pretty sure that that's not mental strength, and actually, that's gluttony. Of course I gluttony. I've got two knees. Can't play football without knees. Uh, where are you off to today, Andre? play shop